All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another Learning Tech Talks, where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning and workplace technology. Today, I'm 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 jacked for today's conversation. This is a topic I love talking about, which is virtual delivery, live virtual delivery. And I'm joined by Chris Olson from Class Technologies, which I feel like I've seen growing recognition in the industry of this one. You guys have been, you know, you're at ATD. So I think there's more awareness around this. But for those of you who aren't, let's give me a discussion you're going to want to listen to. Actually, you know what? It actually doesn't matter whether you know them or not. You're going to want to listen to this because we're talking about live virtual facilitation, which, I mean, this was a big deal pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. <laughs> this is just our this is just our reality. So we're going to talk we're going to talk tech, we're going to talk L&D strategy, we're going to talk operations, we're going to talk all sorts of things. Chris, I don't know about you, but I, two Chris's talking about virtual collaboration and and delivery. This is going to be an exciting conversation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, all of the above you just listed, like I could pick an hour on either one of those, but yeah, I think <laughs> I'll do my best to keep it contained. I should have told you though the dress code is black t-shirts. You're you're going oh. blue, but you know what? Your blue matches the class logo, so I got to say it was that intentional? Well, actually, believe it or not, yes it was. Uh and, and there's but not this is doesn't have anything to do with virtual facilitation, but um I I do it mostly because it makes it easy to know what I'm going to wear for the day. I have like okay. 10 10 of these I just pull out of the closet and then there we go and I don't have to okay. make a decision on it. So so here's the thing. That's my that's my logic behind the black T-shirts is I just one day cleaned out the closet because I went, I hate trying to figure out, well, which one do I want to wear? It's like, oh, I don't have to think about it. And my skin is too pale to pull off black. So it's like severe <laughs> contrast. So hence, hence the blue. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. But I was curious. Did you intentionally match the blue to the class logo? Because I, I did. I did. Yeah. I you did. did. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Now I'm getting to know. It was very low effort. Like, you know, okay. thanks to tech, you hop on Amazon and you find a, a blue cobalt sapphire or whatever the thing was, and you just order a few of them. And there you go. No, see here, I thought I was saying this. You'd be like, oh no, that wasn't intentional. But yeah, no. But no, you actually went. Nope, the blue, the blue, and it matches. I like it. Yeah, I'm a hard nerd on on, on all things. So yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome to the club. All right. Well, so on that topic, we're getting to know a little bit about you here. You know, you buy a whole wardrobe of t-shirts to match your company logo. I mean, absolutely brilliant. But so what's your, you're at class now, which is a virtual delivery. I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll see how you describe it in an elevator to folks, but what's your background? What actually ended up bringing you here? Yeah, um, it's interesting. So my background has been uh, primarily in organizational effectiveness. And so I did that in the banking industry, been through more banks and mergers than I care to remember, um, because they just it's, take a lot out of you. You grow a lot, but it's they're really difficult pulling yeah. out. But um, and then shortly after that, I was at Red Thread Research, uh, HR research consulting firm. Um, yep. If anyone isn't aware, be sure to Google right now. Red uh, they're, they're one that, yeah, if you're not familiar, you should be following what they're doing. Danny they're, and Stasha do some awesome work. Yep. Yep. My, my, my spirit and soul is still, still with Station. them and, and what they do. And so um, we're actually sponsored their uh, recent podcast for, for hybrid. So um, okay. just really, really, really love still supporting what all that they're doing. So, but the reason I'm at class is because I just, saw in my experience what we were doing um all the things in virtual learning that we we're trying to pull off in in the corporate learning industry was just not there's nothing that was delivering this specific use case and so yeah. i just went through a bank merger where it, we had nothing but in-person facilitation training sessions set up because that's all that the company believed and all that the uh, software provider believed at the time and so we had ten thousand employees that we needed to get trained on this and it was all going to be in person, and then two months uh, before <laughs> pandemic hits. And so, great. So we had hundreds of courses scheduled, hundreds, uh, thousands of facilitators, thousands oh of hours gosh. ready to go, all in person. We're like, nope, has to be virtual. And uh, and we got by. We got through it. And and everyone was shocked to see that virtual learning actually worked for this large scale initiative. And so, but it would it could could it be better? Absolutely. And I was like. Who's doing that? And so then I get a phone call from class, and I was like, I saw, I saw the 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 need that it was filling in the space, and I thought, 
yeah, I, I want to be a part of that. So, um, so here I am. Here you are. Well, I think the point you bring up that was that has been really interesting over the past couple of years is that I think there was still a lot of skepticism around what could be done virtually. There still was kind of this mindset of, yeah, I mean, there are just some things that you can't do virtually. And I think what we learned over the past couple of years, which for folks who've been doing it a long time, they were like, I mean, literally anything you can do. You might have to restructure it. You might have to think differently about it, but you can pull it off. I think people had no choice but to deal with that. So it's been interesting. But to your point, it brought right to the forefront the fact that I think that limiting mindset of, well, there's just some stuff we have to reserve. I think that limited the tech stack too, because there wasn't a lot of incentive for these tech tools to really focus on virtual delivery because it was always seen as a, a second class. Ah, see what I did there? Yeah. Right, a second class experience. And so it was like, well, you know, we'll make it good enough, but we're not necessarily going to really go. And for people who really were focusing on virtual, this has been a pain point for a very, very long time. So I was excited to have this conversation because this is not a type of technology that you see. Um, you know, I mean, I mentioned it before we went live. If you were to look at the ecosystem of virtual delivery, there, there, it's not like some of the other ones where if you were to look at LXP or LMS, where there's just dots all over the place, it'd be like virtual delivery. There's a handful of meeting tools and, and maybe some enhancement stuff. So that gets to the next thing because we're kind of talking and dancing around what it is. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you describe it? And I do want to unpack this because for folks who may not be familiar with class, it's not just like another meeting platform. So how do you describe it? Because it is a little bit nuanced in understanding how does it work and how does it structure and fit together? There's more to it than meets the eye. Yeah, I'll try to do it without having the, the buzzwords in there because it's real easy to do that. Um, but basically what I try, the way I like to describe it is we are, we, we, are, um, we take the Zoom technology and we, we redesign it specific for remote learning. So okay. that's really it in a nutshell. And there's, there's some beauty to that because we can focus on the point of remote learning and facilitation to make sure that, that what you're doing, the content you provide, the, the skills you're trying to deliver, they can all happen and take shape and more efficiently, more effectively, and, and you get the insights around it. But on the other side, we, we have Zoom do all the heavy lifting because we're actually yeah. using their code. So it's this real beautiful um, relationship where they, they focus on their core, which is Zoom, and they make that as good as it can possibly be. And as those updates come out, we just get those instantaneously. And then we just get to keep on focusing on, on our niche use case. And I think what you're seeing is the problem that a lot of these web conference tools have is they're trying to be everything to everyone. And so yeah. the cool thing about Zoom is they figured out very early on, like, no, 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 we need to expand our ecosystem. So they're following the playbook of some of the other ones that are out there, like um, Salesforce, for instance, you know, like you can take their, what they call the SDK, the software development kit. Um, and you can take that and you can build whatever you want with it. And so we just have okay. to be the poster child for, for that. Okay. Okay. Well, and I think for folks who may be not super technical on this, I think that's a really important piece to call out because it's a nuance, but, it, and I think this will get to the point we were going to bring up about kind of how do you deal with this with IT? Because it can seem like, so this is another meeting platform and it's like, well, no. And, and I think there is this kind of mindset of, well, that's why, why would you have two different types of things? But that the underpinning capability of a really solid meeting tool. When you hear people talk about Zoom being, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not advocating for a certain platform, but the user experience is very consumer grade for Zoom. It's easy to use. It's powerful. It's effective. It, it, it works well. And you see that. That takes a lot of effort, which is why you see some of these pain points with some of these other tools where people go, well, it's just not as smooth with these other tools. And it's like, that's because there's a ton of innovation being poured into everything associated with bringing a bunch of people together virtually and having them collaborate. And I think the point you bring up is that all these niche pieces, that's another set of innovation on top of itself that the meeting platforms don't have incentive to do because it is very niche. So you've kind of 
done a unique way of saying, rather than investing all our innovation into the meeting portion of it or the virtual collaboration, which you probably wouldn't be able to catch some of these big players, let them do that, but then really specialize in the use cases. Is that fair? Yeah, totally fair. I mean, it's interesting because we actually, with the app and figure out from the name, we're also in the education market as well too. Yeah. And so it serves both of those. And so both both education plus corporate training. Um, but in, and we're, I think what's fun is we're going to be diving more into the collaboration aspect and, and you know, getting okay. more into the work workplace. But the, the cool thing is, is like, when you think about it, we didn't, we knew you have content. We know you have an ecosystem you already have today. We're not going to replace your LMS. We're not, not going to replace your LXP. And so we just want to <laughs> live and sit right within there. And so the, and, and actually like bring your LMS or LXP or other content to live within it. And now we just have data push and pull between your, your, your platforms and the implementation process is especially easy. If you already have zoom today, it's like, like five minutes because what you're doing is it one, one, we don't have to roll it out enterprise wide. We, we basically provide it to the training departments uh, within okay. organizations. And so you empower them to be the host, to invite whoever they need to. Um, and okay. also creates cool things for external as well. But the nice thing is, is that even though it is a separate app today, so yes, it is something you have to download. Not everyone loves that, but again, the implementation is light and easy and, and not, not, uh, not, not, not a heavy lift in trying to pull off. Okay. The cool thing that we think is going to become really appealing is that we're just about to unveil the web-based version of our app, meaning you don't need to download. Oh, it. okay. Pure and HTML5. Yeah. So, so having, being able to access everything within our platform through Chrome or, or Edge is going to be like, you know, it's going to be huge for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, so, so I want to hit on two points to what you just said there, because I think that whole licensing piece is, is a noteworthy piece, because I think mm -hmm. going back to the speed at which you can implement, that matters right now for many, for many organizations who still, you know, because what happened with the pandemic, I think we're still feeling some of the pain of this, where your example, overnight, it was like, we just got to quick move this stuff from this to this. We don't have a whole lot of time. To, to try and get everything right and figure out all the pain points. But it's been a great lesson learned because there were a lot of things that organizations went, okay, you know what? Some of these things that we thought, well, they're really not that big of a deal. They are a big deal. Like they're a big deal. They're actually really killing us type of a thing. And we didn't think it was that, which I think was good. And I think it's been good for orgs to go, okay, let's not just continue dealing with the pain, but your point of the licensing piece, sometimes that can be overwhelming because if you're looking at doing an enterprise implementation and saying, we have to license every single person in the enterprise to use this kind of thing. I mean, not everybody can do that. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the way this is structured, really only your hosts or your L&D teams who are delivering virtual classroom are the ones that actually have to be licensed for that. Is that accurate? Uh, close, yeah. I mean, it's close. you know the the only thing I'll throw on there too is we we also um, for the licensing part you don't need a specific license, but we do we also just keep track of how many users you anticipate okay. going through. So let's say you're you're uh, you're a company of ten thousand employees and you you know that you're going to run at least a thousand through uh, virtual delivery. So great. Okay. okay, we don't give them proper license and sign-ons and anything like that, but we just know the number of users you're going to have. And the reason that's important okay. is, spoiler alert, we, we pull data on everybody that helps inform you as to like at the individual level, uh, you know, what where their engagement's at, uh, where they're focused or not. And so you can surmise a lot more of the activity uh, that they're able yeah. to do. And the only thing, just because I like to be very honest and transparent with things as well. Too, no, I like it. When I say the five minute uh, implementation time, that doesn't include uh, single sign-ons. <laughs> that you want on there or or integrations with your LMS and, and APIs and things like that. So those those yeah. kind of are kind of given like if you're going to do that, yeah, it's certainly more involved, but I still just like to make sure like I want to meet expectations appropriately there. Well, and I think realistically, five, I mean, I, hopefully people understand the hyperbole of five minutes is, I mean, really five minutes is not five minutes type of a thing. But the point is, yeah. it's not a, you're not trying to run a full-blown enterprise implementation of a learning tech platform. You're saying, look, we're already using 
we, we may already be using this, or if not, we're, we're pulling in another meeting tool, which is pretty common in the ecosystem. Nobody's going, what's Zoom? Are you sure that that's a secure platform? So being able to pull that in and then layering that on top of it um, for that. And then the other thing that you brought up with this, so I am curious, you know, as you've seen people kind of transition over to this, we talk a little bit about, you know, some of this functionality. I want to unpack that a little bit because not only from a, for L&D leaders who may be trying to talk about this with IT leaders who go, well, we already have a meeting platform or even your own, you know, senior HR learning ops leaders who go, we already have, we already have this. What were some of those pain points in your banking experience? And, and I mean, I'll share some of my war stories as well, where you went, yeah, meeting tools, not quite gonna, I mean, it'll do it, but not nearly as much. And we're doing a lot of backend stuff because this backend ops stuff, it can kill you if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it's it's funny that you say that. And, and I'm happy to share, uh, you know, my, my battle scars back in the day with that. But the other thing that I'd, I'd call out is that we, there's a lot of focus on the, you know, the instructor, host, facilitator, whatever you want to call it, and then your participant and learner. And, yeah. and that experience, and, and we we feel we've got that really, really, really good. Um, yeah. And so now the cool thing is, is we're, we're focusing on, on the less flashy, but incredibly important piece, which is for the <laughs> admin. So like they're, they're yeah. you know, the wizards behind the curtain, keeping things alive. When you think about scheduling all these um, amount of sessions that people are attending, making sure that the content is there, like it's in, in the reporting they have to provide and should provide and just equipping them to you know, to really show off and, and add value. I think that's the other big, the other big piece that we're going to be focusing on a lot more now that we've really nailed down the experience. Um, yeah. We, and so a couple. Well, of and so on that one, on that one, cause Nancy brought this up and this was the second point I was going to bring on the heels of this um, is you're, you talked about the involvement you're having in the K-12 and even just higher ed industry, which I think is a really important piece because they're, they're doing so much classroom stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I still, I mean, that's where I came from. And this is one of those things where they really were in a pain point with this because I know a lot of educators who their entire career was literally delivering things in a class. I mean, literally nothing else. That was literally their whole job was to do this. And overnight, and they weren't used to the, well, I'm in a corporate setting, so I'm used to virtual meetings and I'm used to doing all this stuff. It was like, well, no, we didn't do any of that. We were all in the building. We were all doing this. That was our world. And then it was, here's Google Classroom. Yep. Go do everything you did before. And I mean, they got pummeled and still in many regards are getting pummeled. So I have to imagine there've been a lot of lessons learned out of that space that really will benefit corporate yeah that's exactly right there 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 has been a lot of that because I, I would say usually when people ask how are we different than from your standard uh, meeting platform and I, I usually say there's three things that we do differently we help to the instructor to know where to focus as well as the learner know where to focus like people okay. conversation you get the immersive feel but you still get to know where your attention needs to go and then the other thing that we do is we make it more interactive in the sense of, I like to de define it as like Chrome and Zoom had a baby. So you have your internet browser built within <laughs> the platform. And so the beauty of that is, is like everyone's usually dropping a link in chat and you click the link in chat to be taken out to go do something else, right? You're bounced somewhere else. And, and know. then you got to pull them back in. And so, and the, re and the reason that's a problem is that one, you're trying to, you know, herd cats at times, whether corporate learning or, or K yeah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. And so as you're trying to bring them back in, um, it just, it just, it's another, another barrier, another hurdle you have to, you have to overcome. And the cool thing is about when you put it together, the, the data piece comes more important because they're still in the platform and we still know, uh, what they're, what they're doing, what they're up to, what they're completing and all that different stuff. So the last piece is, um, as I hinted at before is the data. And so the, the different data sets we provide. And then the ability to, on the admin side, being able to uh, schedule your classes and being able to, uh, we, we have this brand new thing that we've been waiting to get this thing out there. And everyone's excited is a course template manager, meaning that all the different content that you want to have and, and provide and bring, you can now just carbon copy this master class of, or a master template of whatever it is. 
And so once you do that, you can just do that at scale and repeatedly, and you know that everything you need is going to be in there. And you can personalize it as an instructor where I want to make my version of that of that class. And, and then, then now you have that. And it's just really yeah. easy to, to carbon copy. So there are so many things that I want to talk about <laughs> yeah. with what you just said, because some of these things can easily be glossed over. I mean, they really can. And, and I've been in conversations because this has been a gap in the industry for a long time. It's not like, oh, the pandemic created this. I mean, this was really an issue for, for a long time. And some of these things sound like very small and minor, like, oh, well, you know, pushing a link opens their browser. Why is that that big of a deal? But I think anybody who's done anything virtually now knows that losing people's attention in the virtual environment, first of all, one, it's a lot of work to keep their attention anyway. It's, it's, it's that much harder because, oh, I can look over here and I can go do this and I can turn my camera off. And I mean, so you're already competing against a lot more things than when they're locked in a room and it's like, well, I can still do that, but you're kind of like looking at me. Mm -hmm. So anything that intentionally is distracting them is a problem. I mean, it's a problem that can actually derail an entire session where you go, we're bringing people together. And so something as simple as, oh, we'll just push out the link and then they'll go do it. But also I'm just even thinking user experience where, I mean, we've all been in those meetings where somebody's like, the link didn't open for me. Which link am I clicking? I can't yep. find. That can derail this because now 90% of your class, they're on track and they're sitting here going like, good grief, like Bill over here, get with the times. Yeah. And then you've lost all them too. So not only is Bill distracted because he can't figure out where browser tab open because he's got 97 Chrome tabs open. Yep. But now 90% are going, this is really obnoxious because Bill is tearing the whole class apart. Yeah, the, it's funny. The thing that I often hear, um, one of the biggest hits is like, everyone's really loves the fact that, you know, you have the internet browser built in uh, within it. And then when it gets really fun is uh, we talk around breakout rooms. And so the big thing, to your point, as you're saying, the difficulty of keeping people focused and how most breakout rooms are designed and how we put them into the breakout rooms, you, you say, hey, click the link in the chat, and this is going to take you to a document. <clears throat> it's either a Google Doc or Office 365 <laughs> Doc, and it has your exercises listed out within there that you're going to do. And you hope that you know they can actually you hope this doc. And, and so um, if they can, then they have to find where in the doc that they're going to do the exercise. And who's doing what? Like, are you the person that's doing this or am I? Like, what are the different roles that we have and what we're going to practice? And so we're like, enough of that. There's got to be a better way to do this. And so our breakout rooms, when you launch them, it's the same thing where you can, you know, put them in a breakout room manually or you do it automatically where it's randomized. Um, either way, that option's the same. But when you put them in there, you can push the exercises and the content, all that internet browser type functionality to the specific breakout room. And then yeah. if people need the help and they need the lifeline, we've enhanced the chat functionality to be more like text messaging. And we have an instant thread of conversation that they can reach out to the instructor or the instructor can reach out to them. And you actually see what they're talking about. And you actually get to see what they're working on in the breakout room. You get room. to actually facilitate. Yeah, basically, well, I, think, basically. I mean, but, but that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And some of these operational nuances for anybody who's done this, it is easy to dismiss this stuff and go, oh, well, just put them in breakouts and, you know, create, like you said, a Google doc and just give them the link before they go into the breakouts. But if you facilitated this, this is a mess. Like this can be an absolute mess where you're going Okay. Oh, the people, are they in the room? Did they open it there? You, you got to go check each room to be like, did you find the doc? Are you opening it? Did you get this figured out? Mm -hmm. And this is where it becomes honestly an operational nightmare where you've seen, and I think this gets back to for senior leaders, when you're thinking about org design, this actually is a problem for org design because you start going, we need an army of trainers for every virtual session because we need enough people to float to the breakouts, to do all these it's actually very difficult to facilitate in a traditional model, which has implications on how many resources you need to assign to a class, mm -hmm. the planning, like all this stuff becomes very operationally burdensome for something that sounds like, yeah, just send a Google doc and send them. And I, and 
this is where you can just gloss over it and go, oh, that sounds like a nice to have. And it's not. And I think that also ties to the one I'm, I'm curious on tearing this out, which, by the way, Karen over at Skooks, she's, she's agreeing with the conversation. Sorry, Karen, it shows you as LinkedIn user, but I can see who you really are. Right. The breakouts. This is something where it will get dismissed as, yeah, meeting platforms have breakouts. But some of this operational nuance to, yes, but but can you actually truly facilitate like a classroom where yeah. you put people in groups and you can actually monitor what are the groups doing? How are they progressing? Are the conversations on track or are they literally still stuck on the first question? And you're like, good grief, they're going to come back from breakouts and they will have accomplished nothing. This is kind of a different, um, you know, boss's point in a traditional meeting platform you almost need a full-blown production crew. And, and that's a problem operationally. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that too, because we, the role of a producer, you know, someone that it, it's usually, they're kind of the, the support to the facilitator, you know, whether it's tech or something like that as well. What we're hearing a lot is, is the producers aren't even required as much with what we've designed, because you can change the, and adjust the camera views and you can, uh, you can enable people to do this one is actually really big. This is one of those ones where it's it's a it's something that we discovered that we're like this is actually better than if it wasn't. <laughs> and so and and ever not even us that are saying it like people see it and they're like hey that's actually better. And so it's the idea where you're going to be able to initiate private discussions in a virtual setting with with a, a mass class where either you have them do an exercise or you take a break, but you can initiate a private discussion as a facilitator to do a quick one on one check in. So it's like virtual sidebar. Hey, how's everything going? It looks like you're you're stuck there. Or is there anything I can do to help you out? And you could enable the producer to be able to do those. And now you're just doing things really quickly at scale to be able to um, address those targeted needs without disrupting the rest of the room. And you can even yeah. choose to hear what's going on. So you still actually get to hear and be aware of that while you're having a private discussion with someone. So it's like, yeah. and now no one sees the awkwardness of like, hey, you're going to talk to you know, John Doe to, Hey, is everything okay? Like it's right. it incognito. And so right. Which, which to your point of superior, it, and again, if you haven't facilitated classroom stuff, and I think this is where actually having done it gives you some of these points where you go, Oh yeah, I can relate to that. Cause that is that awkward, like the participants in the back and they're either having a hard time or they're a distraction and you need somebody to kind of pull them aside and go, hey, like, what's the deal here? Or how can I help you with this? And in person, it can be awkward. You're like, call it like, oh, 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 like, you know, type of a thing. And here you can do it more privately. And I think the point that you hit on, though, that is really helpful with this is, is there the possibility it may reduce your need for producers? Maybe. But Maybe. sometimes that can create the fear concept. Like, oh, well, we have producers. Like, what if that's my role? But what you just talked about is, or, and it might not be a reduces it, it may be they can focus on more of these higher order activities to improve the experience to say, hey, instead of that producer just literally sitting there assigning people to breakouts or like bored out of their skull watching the session for the 900th time, it's like, well, no, you can actually be that person who's checking in with people. You can be helping exactly. actively participate in it instead of sitting there doing all the administrative work because the facilitator just doesn't have the capacity. So it's an either or situation, depending on your situation. I think that's where for resource constraint orgs, it's like, well, this opens up possibilities for orgs that maybe have the resource capacity. It's like, well, you can dramatically improve the experience. Yep. That's exactly. Yeah. I mean, to get on the thought, thought leadership side of it, you know, what I've seen all the studies show that the automation creates more jobs than it does take away. And so does it, it take does. Away? sure, but it really just more repurposes, um, you know, the role and what they're doing. And typically it's to do something more meaningful. So if you're not yes. doing something that's, you know, incredibly like repetitive and, and task burdensome, like now you can do something and do something more interesting. Uh, is what <laughs> I think. But, but well, because so you hear it from the producers. I mean, if you if you sit down and talk with producers, sometimes they're like, yeah, it's I mean, it's fine. But it's not the most exciting job in a traditional virtual classroom set. You're like, I mean, I'm here to put people in groups and wait for something to go wrong, but then I really don't even have the capacity to lean in and do anything. So I end up direct messaging the facilitator and it's, 
it's not always the most exciting job. Yeah. And the cool thing is I, I feel like this brings them in more and, and involves yes. them more, you know. So, Which but. going to talent development and growing your internal talent, this actually for career laddering, and I've, and I've talked to a lot of leaders who are using it in this sense where it's like, well, this now can make that producer a growth opportunity for virtual facilitation. And you actually can, there's a training wheel stage where before it was kind of like, well, you kind of just do a random administrative thing. And then I just hand you the whole class. And that's a yeah. big, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big that's lead. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the other one, and I, and I know I get very excited about the ops stuff, but it's, it's worth calling out because some of this stuff, you know, when it can look like, well, this just feels like net new. And really when you start looking at it, you can say, no, actually the efficiencies we can gain from this are going to justify any sort of cost we're putting into the system anyway. That um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the setting up classes ahead of time because this was something. And Nancy, you know, you're, you're it's funny, she brought up iLink from like 20 years ago, and we talked before going live about Adobe Connect and some of these things that mm -hmm. they were trying to do some of this, but they just didn't really, they never really specialized in it because they were trying to be everything. And I think you're one of setting up the classrooms before. Mm -hmm. This is another one of those things that I don't think can be overlooked in terms of being able to prep your virtual classroom and personalize it. This is one of those ones I would say it it actually does go superior to the in-person because you can actually create your environment and be like, it's it's mine. Like I can literally set it up how I want it indefinitely and make tweaks and do all this and I own it and I don't have to do this and reset the room every single time depending on the environment. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you're talking about like the pain points of things of in person before and, and, and what we're trying to solve for and do like I think of even as you look and you talk with those in your organizations around like getting budget for different things like tech. Well, we were going to spend $150,000 just in printing costs, <laughs> printing costs alone just for uh just for like the the workbooks that you would get to learn for just this one software that we're training everybody on and that wasn't even for the entire company that was just for the small like that was just for bank tellers and so like those are huge dollar amount numbers uh that go into things like that and so now what you do is you have the digital version and not only can you avoid those printing costs but you can also do things at scale so i can customize it specific for me as i facilitate my class and, and set it up because You'll still have all the same things that you have with Zoom, where you can, uh, you know, assign uh, alternative hosts to be involved. So it could be like Chris and Christopher Lind are going to do this class session. Here we go. Yeah. And so, and then you can also um, schedule it for multiple sessions. And the cool thing about this is that not only when you schedule multiple sessions of of a class, so versus just your one off, it, you can actually have the data run aggregated of what happens in the individual class you're doing, plus a running total of what's happened in the whole series that you've created. And so the different things so that okay. set up, you can now have like a little bit more of a barometer and insights to see, you know, of the four that we did, uh, you know, John Doe or Jane Doe were really not engaged, but all the rest of them, they were. So like you get a more balanced perspective of the individual in the, in the um, series of, of sessions that you're going to do. And so, but the, the bigger piece is like, where can we shave off time to remove the administrative burden on, on everyone on the back end? Because your, your LMS admins or learning tech admins, they're usually the ones that are like solving all these problems. Like they're trying to figure out why a course didn't complete oh. your LMS because our, some new guy in Articulate forgot to hit the right variable. And now you're trying to pinpoint like why it didn't complete. And, and yeah. then you're trying to uh, reschedule all the class sessions. That was another big thing. Like when we were meeting in person, the the trying to pivot and change, <laughs> like, okay, we're all going to meet at this physical location right here today. And then, oh, actually that room is booked. So now we're going to move it over here and we're going to change the date and time. And so just making sure everyone's calendar is updated in that process, like people are like physically driving to this and then they show up and it's not there and it's been moved or they didn't get the notification. Um, yeah. Making sure everyone's calendars are up to date is like, super important and critical. And those are the things that are not obvious, but it really impacts the attendance levels and who's going to be there. And not to mention, that's another big piece is like tracking attendance automatically versus, you know, the physical sign-in sheets and actually proving yep. that we're there. 
So those are the kind of the ways that we're we're tackling these little nuanced areas, but trying to make it so that we're alleviating the the burden on everyone, whether you're the facilitator or the the admin trying to to coordinate everything. Well, and there there's two things that that came out of that um, that that I think really are worth again highlighting is. I just have, I can think over the years of that experience of, I mean, when you think about the times spent getting used to your environment and, and in person, like you had to do that every single time, which a lot of times was the business case for a training room. Mm-hmm. Part of it was to reduce that burden of, well, what's the environment we're working in? What resources do we have? Is it set up? Are we prepared and we're familiar with it? So instead of having to add that operational inefficiency to every single session going, well, okay, what's the conference room? Where do we, do we have this? What's the setup? Where are people sitting? It was like, well, we just always know. And, but that had tons of operation and real estate costs and things like that. So getting a dedicated training room, a lot of times was impossible unless you were in a really big org that said, yeah, sure. We'll build out a whole section you know, that is just yours for nothing other than running these class type things. But in, in the virtual world, we can democratize that capability to a sense of what we're talking about, where it's like, you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know what to expect. It's prepared. It's ready. It reduces your burden as a facilitator to have to spend all that front end time preparing for your session. It's so funny. You just triggered my PTSD. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you had those training rooms, I'm curious what those are that are that are listening in. Like, have you ever gone to the physical classroom where you had maybe 20, 30 computers, right? Um, and someone didn't leave them turned on, so they didn't get the updates. And so you turn yep. them all on, and then you got to call IT to make sure like they all get their updates to get the specific environment that you're trying to train in. And it's like yep. class starts in an hour, and then we've had so many where people traveled like you know 30 people would have traveled you know um, 45 minutes to an hour to get to the location and then you're spending half the time updating all the computers. And so yep. like, it happens all the time. And so the cool thing is like, what if you just had an iPad and then you just joined through that and you could still interact and, and see everybody and, and do all that. And so we're like, yeah, let's do that. So we make, we made the, the tablet version. So that's the, the cool thing is like just making it ease of access to deliver it to where you are and when you need it are the key, are the key things we try to do. Well, and, and, and again, some of these things can be dismissed as, and I think they have for a lot of years, they were dismissed as the cost of doing training. It was like, well, we just kind of have to do it and it's a pain and it's inefficient and it's whatever, but there's really not a better way to do it. And I think that's one of the beauties of technology is a lot of these rules of what we've just accepted is we hate this. It's awful. It's miserable, but you know, what are we going to do about it? It's like, well, we can do something about it. We can actually eliminate these barriers, be more efficient. And again, going back to the fear of, you know, if you're a facilitator going, well, but I spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah. But wouldn't you rather spend that time on higher order activities, you know, improving the experience, not spending your time going, Oh shoot, the room doesn't have any whiteboard paper. I, where are the markers? Like you said, Oh crap, the computers aren't updated. I need to spend the next 12 hours doing nothing, but I mean, that's not the fun stuff. Nobody, and that's not adding value. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that because the, there's numbers that I think you can pull out that kind of help illuminate of like, you know, what is better. I mean, really a lot of it, what I've seen, and this is pandemic, whether it's remote learning or just the new way of working, it's really change. And everyone's just, yeah, just trying to adapt with the change. And, and it might mean that you have to do things in a different way, but I, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you do that. And I think everyone was when we shifted and like, oh, no one, there's not a loss in productivity and, oh, we we're still able to do a lot of, a lot of our training. And, but it, it was harder because we had to shift and try to, you know, take it, lift and, and deliver it virtually. And there was things that, that I think everyone found that they missed or they felt maybe not comfortable not having anymore that they had as a security blanket, like reading yeah. the room, for instance, you know, being one of those key things. Because you're there, and I think what we what we're finding is is there's less proximity bias that's taking place, especially when you're when you're there. Like you can now leverage data versus gut yeah. feel. Your gut feel. 
And well, and I think <laughs> I want to get to that next. That's where I'm going next on this data thing, because I think it is a really important point to call out on this that, I mean, again, in many ways, we haven't had the opportunity to actually see. And I think that proximity bias really has played into a lot of this stuff. Um, but it, th there's no there's no knocking that while there's been change, it was tough. Like this was mm -hmm. hard. It's a new skill set for people who they probably, I mean, if you weren't comfortable with this and all of a sudden you're facilitating virtually and you're going, I don't know, this is software and this is different. And I, I mean, when the pandemic first hit, I feel like people are more comfortable with webcams now, mm -hmm. but like at first it was like, I'm not turning my camera. So it did feel very lonely. You're like sitting there, nobody's yeah. on camera. Like I, I totally acknowledge this was an uncomfortable change for people. So it's, it's not like, oh, come on, get over it. This right. was tough. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that, uh, and, and even with the the content and how things were designed, like you, we have to think of a way how, we're actually working on ways, how do we make the transition easier for those that were delivering training virtually through the meeting platforms that were very simplistic? How do we, because honestly, like what we, what we want to do with class is it's super robust, very, feature rich. Uh, but the, the real thing is like we make it very open so that you can choose and customize it to how you need to. And you can crawl, walk, run. So all the fancy stuff that, that it can do, you can ease into that, you know? And so, because we, we totally know that there's going to be a little bit of a adoption curve. But the cool yep. thing is that we thought of around this is that we find that the digital adoption and the adjustment to this is actually super fast because it looks and feels like Zoom, but you just have more options now. And then it turns okay. into like now you're what you shift and focus on is like how do I make my um, my virtual sessions more impactful and like how can I improve on that and that's where the data piece comes in to help. Well, that's also where this time giving back time on the operational efficiencies yeah is valuable because there's always these things that we go man if I had time I'd love to spend time thinking about how I could improve or what changes could I make I just don't have time because I'm so busy running doing yep. and doing all this operational activity. And now it's, well, you can pull that out so that you actually can start to go, all right, that didn't go so well. Yep. What could I do to improve this? Or I'm losing people here, which this is where I'm going to tie it to the data piece is this is an important piece because a lot of people didn't have time to do it. And what we were saying before, the proximity bias kicked in and you're like, I think it went pretty well. Mm -hmm. You know, I got five stars on everything. Everybody looked at me. I kind of was looking around. People were smiling. At the end of the session, everybody came and patted me on the back and told me like, this was the greatest training I've ever experienced in my life. So yep. honestly, I don't think I'd fix a thing because it's the best thing ever. And now, and I think this is where it can be a little intimidating. And I think virtual exposed some of this. We got a little bit of the exposure that maybe all the accolades weren't necessarily a hundred percent representative of the actual learning experience and might've been more representative of, well, it was great to get away from work for a few days. The snacks were fantastic and it was nice to, you know, collaborate with some of my peers type of a thing. Yeah. And, and suddenly when the content and the experience had to stand on its own, it was like, Ooh, like maybe there's room for improvement. And I think that gets to, so let's talk about the data. Cause I think this, it can be a little scary to look under the rock and go, Ikes, like this might not be quite as great as we thought, but that can be a learning opportunity. Yeah, because I think I think what's happening now is now even if you do have attendance tracking within your platforms today, I think the difference is, is what we're doing with ours is that you get more insights around the individuals and you can be more targeted and focused. And so the cool thing is, is that you're, you're no longer... Um, as you pointed out, it's more around the data versus what you think might be influenced based on the feedback you get. Because you do a survey or um, you know a poll afterwards of you know did you like this and and, and versus in person versus digital, you're probably going to get a more true response because it's less it's really more on the user behavior that is really going to help inform yeah. you to let you know. Where I'm really excited about where we're going to go is is being able to tie to show. I, I don't like to always say the ROI, but to <laughs> 
because <laughs> that's a bloated bloated thing you know it's it means different things to different different folks but the the thing that i like is that we're going to um show the impact of of what they learned in class and how yeah. that delivers to skills and performance because at the end of the day that's really what the whole point of of spending all this time right. is, is to help grow the individuals and is it whether it's their putting on their people skills the technical skills critical thinking skills whatever it is like how are we proving that that's happening and, and validating that versus um you know just like they showed up cool like but right. do they, do they retain the information that you shared with them and so i think that's where we're gonna we're gonna really hone in differently and so we're giving the indicators today that lets you know who's really engaged also who's really focused those are actually both separate uh, and yeah. how we how we track that intentionally so because we don't want one or the other to conflate and um, and I think what we're doing which is really difficult the thing I will also say around data when we show people <laughs> what we track that it's it's equal parts excitement and equal parts like whoa I don't want to be responsible for that or like <laughs> because it, it the, the nice thing is and what we what we're trying to do is make it so that it can't be used for nefarious purposes. And that it's yeah. used to really like help inform the instructor also just to know where to focus because being able to shift and adjust the entire gallery view of your class session based off of participation in real time is like a real useful thing now when yeah. you get the report afterwards that color codes that for you it makes it makes them think like okay i gotta i gotta be responsible of this and so totally get that and we've made it and that's why we're trying to be very intentional and how we provide and serve up that data. So it's more designed to, to help inform and how to make, make your class sessions better versus who do I need to slap around because they're not paying attention. Well, and I think that's one of the, so, so going back to this whole point on this data side, you know, it's, again, looking under the rock can be a little bit scary at first, you know, right. like, like we said, it can be a little scary because it's easy to be happy with, everything sounds good. I feel good about it. I think everything's fine. And then to start feeling like, well, maybe it's not, maybe there are some of these other attributes that are conflating things. And, and really, if we look at it for what it is, is it really accomplishing what we wanted? And I think, again, it's one of those getting clear on what the outcomes are, because mm -hmm. is there anything wrong with saying one of the desired outcomes is people feel like it was a break from work and recognition for great things? Sure, but maybe let's not make that training then. Like, let's not call that training. Let's say, why don't you just send people like on a on a two-day networking trip? Or like, don't throw training in there to be like, there, see there, that way we can justify the cost type of thing. Right. But I think this can be, it can be intimidating. And again, how you use it, it's an important consideration because you can do damage to your experience if people are like, you're monitoring all this so you can embarrass me or you can call me out or send a message to my manager and go, you know, well, Chris is here, but he's not really participating. Like, okay, well, that could be damaging to the experience and the individual because you don't necessarily know what the situation is. But if you can use it to help inform how you're facilitating, how you're engaging, how you're designing the session, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the way that I get excited about it is as a sessions that I'm going to facilitate, am I meeting the needs of this age range or, um, or, or this demographic of, you know, single black females? Like, am I, how am I doing that? I'm not resonating with them. Like, how, who is and how can I get better and, and learn to find ways and how I can resonate with those that I'm just not touching? And so yeah. I, I think that's where I get excited about it too, as well as, this also becomes a way that you have data that you could involve um, managers. So if you have direct reports where they're just not engaged and you want the extra support from the manager, you can now say, look, uh, here's what they just learned. And here's why I'd love for you to kind of reinforce and support. And you can see that the, based on the engagement levels, like where some more attention and focus might, might be needed here. And so again, not, to, not meant to be punitive, but more around no. like how can the manager involved and help su support, you know, uh, support the performance of, of this individual since, or get them, we've got like, we started with this one and this one, and now we've got like five more coming up. Can you help like reinforce the importance of the what's in it for me for why this training session is important so that they're more engaged and more involved in, in what we're doing? Well, and there's, there's one more data point, and then I want to close out 
because we're going to run out of time on on one really important thing. But on this data point, you know, you talked about the fact, and again, this is one of those like micro nuances that you may just gloss over and go, what's the big deal with that? But you talked about the data being able to be tracked on a by class session, but also series of classes. And as I think about that in terms of continuous growth, there are so many times where we make tweaks and modifications to things and we don't really have a good gauge of, did it get the intended outcome? Like we made this modification to how we're delivering or we changed the program design to see, could we drive greater engagement or things like that? And, and we don't always really know. We're like, well, I mean, I think so. We feel good about how it went, but we can't necessarily see that. And, and if I'm understanding correctly, this actually creates opportunity to say, let's take a look at that and let's see if when we made these changes to this program, this class, it actually, we, we saw the results we were hoping to see in terms of participation, engagement. And so you can actually start to drive changes that matter versus what well, we made changes. And I, I mean, I hope it worked. Yeah, I, I, that's that's exactly what we're aiming for. And we're we're going through a redesign of a, of a, of a full-on dashboard to help serve up insights around that even okay. more. So like, is like, is it increasing the attendance levels along with the engagement along with that? Because often what I hear is like, you know, we're putting the training out, but no one's showing up. And it's like, well, like, okay, let's, let's try to figure out like what you need to do to change to increase that. Um, could be communication stuff, but it could also be like, is it the topic or is it the, the, the thing that <laughs> we don't like to acknowledge it sometimes, but it's like, uh, that can be an indicator of People's percept, they may go, yeah, you know what? That wasn't really a good use of my time. And people may know that. And so they sign up and go, yeah, I'm not really going to show up for that. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the uh, there's <laughs> two other big things that I think that we do that even it's it's um, not so much data related, but I do feel like it solves for some pretty big problems. And one of those is um, it, it's this is actually kind of data actually, too, is we have a notes taking app. And so what okay. we do, and this is like about to be uh, unveiled here pretty soon. The reason it's not out yet is we wanna make sure we're super accurate on closed captioning for transcription. But what okay. we do is like in all these sessions, usually what's happening is, is the conversation is the magic. And so yeah. if you want to revisit what was discussed and what was said and shared, um, we're gonna have the transcription there, but not only that, you get to personally annotate on top of the conversation. So, hey, that was a super great point. Make sure to circle back to that. And it gives you a like highlighter yellow of the thing of the notes that you're putting in there. And then once okay. you have that conversation with your notes on top of it, you can either keyword search within the app or you can take it and download it. And you can have that later on for your reference for you to, to circle back to because okay. it's usually always in that discussion is where a lot of that happens. And the last big thing that I'll, that'll um, share here is this was more on more on, start on the education side for proctoring, you know, making sure someone's not cheating on a test or quiz, right? Super necessary, but yeah. how does that can add value in the corporate learning space? Because no one's going to want that, you know, uh, on there. No one wants to feel monitored. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're repurposing that and tweaking it. So now it's going to be the collaboration view. And so what you okay. can do is you can enable peer-to-peer -peer learning. So you can have uh, you can choose the, the users that you want to share and they can practice with each other. And that practice thing, how it looks is you have your screen like I'm in right now. And then just to the side of me is my actual computer screen that I'm sharing with. And so you can actually okay. do share backs and teach backs to each other. And so okay. the cool thing around that as a facilitator, now I can let them do all the hard work and they get to like teach each other, right? Well, and I mean, this whole, and I think this is an important piece with this. You know, we talk a lot about user-generated content. We talk about you know, some of these other things, but it's like, these are practical examples of where you can start integrating your employees, your learners into that and say, this is how you do it, is you actually engage and encourage them to participate. And again, this goes back to this whole, how do you facilitate versus present? How are you actually facilitating them sharing their insights, their knowledge, their takeaways, what they have? I mean, that has historically been very difficult to do, especially mm -hmm. in the virtual environment. And I think that's where some of this stuff that seems like, ah, like nice to have, it's like, it's actually not, which ties me to my final point, which we could probably have an episode purely on this next point. This is not, these types of changes we've been talking about are are in my opinion transformational for what you can do in virtual learning which is why i think sometimes when it gets a bad rap it just 
grinds my gears, I guess is the term I'll use for this. Because it's just like, you're fundamentally misunderstanding what you can do with virtual learning. Because if you really truly understand what's possible, you can create an extraordinary experience. But, and this is the, the kind of closing piece, this doesn't just happen by we bought class, now magically all our virtual sessions <laughs> are incredible, right? I mean, I, I would love to say that it does. Uh, but, but, uh, I, I, what, yeah. So what I say is like, it, it, yeah, you're still, it still is your content. You're still the owner. You still get to be the rock star of it. So what we do is we just empower you and the learner to be able to like make it better. And so what all the effort you get to shift and focus on the content versus thinking of all the tech stuff and hoops you have to jump through, like people go on YouTube and they look how to make zoom better and all the different ways to try to do the things that they want to do. And so Zoom was built for meetings. It's not built for the stuff that we're no, trying to No, it's a meeting to tool. And so, so like, what? let us like take that burden off of you. And now you get to focus on your content, on your delivery. And so I think that's the, the, the thing that I would say is like, we, yeah, we're not the silver bullet because you still have to like deliver what you're going to deliver, but we make it more impactful and more meaningful and allow you to focus on that more. And arguably the learner as well too. So they get to actually you know, get upskilled better. They have a more what's in it for them. Um, and I think the biggest thing too is is time. Like the number one burden we hear from everywhere and anything is time. I like I developed and put all this this work into this course. No one's showing up to it because no one has time to come to the training sessions. So like, what are the ways where we can shave that off and 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 complete that? Um, because I, I think that's that's just for me the, the biggest problem that we that we have everywhere is time. And so, yep. uh, but that, that's my last final. Well, part, and so. I think, well, and I think, you know, what, what you're just saying with this, and I think is just this technology. And I say this all the time, it's an enabler. Yeah. So is it just going to do things by itself? It's not. I mean, if you, if you, if all you do is have class and you show up with a PowerPoint and you hammer through your PowerPoint and then close the session, it will be as equally ineffective <laughs> in Teams, Zoom, whatever, as it would be in class. Yeah. But I think it's this possibilities of these things that you can do that really learning professionals have been wanting to do. To your point, these Google searches of like, how do I do this in Zoom? And you end up with this Frankenstein of tools where you're asking yeah. people to use 37 different tools and they're going, this is overwhelming. You're now democratizing that to say, let's make that easier for you so you can focus on delivering an extraordinary and impactful experience and not be worrying about all this burden. But again, there's a lot of work that goes into that as an L&D professional and a leader. And I think that's an important note to make because this is about actually being intentional and, and changing, first of all, one, your perceptions of virtual. Because if you yeah. think it's always going to be like, eh, well, you're never going to get there. Yep. Well, yeah, the last final thing I'll say on that note is that we have this mantra where we say uh, um, technology doesn't solve problems, people do. And yep. so like, <laughs> it's it's so true. And I but again, I think, you know, to the point of, of where where you all are focusing, this is one of those really unique areas where some of these pain points, I, sometimes it's hard to find tech that goes, you really understand what L&D is struggling with and you mm -hmm. understand how to address this. And I think this is one of those areas that it's often overlooked and, and it's just, ah, we have meeting platforms. That's good enough. And I think if you're fine with good enough, okay. But I think you don't have to be fine with good enough. And that's one of the exciting things about where things are going. Agreed. All yeah. right. Well, I told you we were going to get to the end and I, we have just scratched the surface on things, but I, I, I love this conversation. I really enjoy talking about um, what what is possible with tech. So I appreciate you making time, Chris, uh, and being here and talking through some of this stuff. I hope everybody listening, hopefully this has at least stimulated your thinking around what is possible with virtual learning, because honestly, the possibilities are endless if you really start digging into it. And I'll say, I think you can create a superior experience if you actually design for it and are very intentional about it. So thank you for making the time and, and talking more about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a blast as well. And any skeptics out there that you know don't believe in it would love to get your feedback on how we can solve for those problems and build that in. So 
Well, there you go. Well, and you have the opportunity to say, we're not trying to be everything to everyone. So we really are focusing on this. And if there are pain points specific to L&D, you actually have an opportunity to change it. Yeah, there's there's enough. There's a lot of HR tools alone, but learning tools out there. We're just going to hyper focus on this space and and uh, and focus on that. And we want to play nice with the other other plays that are out there because we see a lot of advantages um, just by you know working with those that have already done it really well versus trying to recreate the wheel. So totally agree. Love the mentality. Love the mentality. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, thanks for being here, Chris. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your afternoon and I wish you all a great rest of your week and uh, we will be back. I think I am back next week and then not, not on the fourth. So uh, talk to you all soon and have a great week.